You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Z's and Zers. This is another edition of Thank You for Your Servers. Thank you for logging in. I'm Thaddeus Preston. And I am joined here by Gary Guthrie. Howdy. Welcome back. Thank you. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for your Hanging service. over here on you the are. left coast. I'm told I need to talk more during the broadcast. So uh, yes, be prepared. Be, be, more, be more the brother in the back of the theater I'll be, yelling I'll be at it. the screen. <laughs> Yeah, then, I've then, got, then, I've, then to be the quiet bystander and let me just pontificate. I've, I've got things to learn, my friend. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> so this is our, I don't know, our quarterly digest of the tech news topics from a libertarian perspective. This and other podcasts are brought to you by the MLGA Network of Podcasts. So with no further ado, let's get into it, fam. Gary? Yes. You ever heard of DLive? DLive. Is this another, wait, is this the latest in the waterfall of sort of, uh, QAnon associated conservative nastiness or something? Or how how do you want to phrase this? Every platform where people who are right of Chairman Mao get together is racist and or homophobic and or hosting of extreme content. I know I am. DLive is a, well, obviously, right? We we are we are evil right wingers, according to some. No, yes. so DLive uh, is a live streaming service that's on uh, that was founded back in 2017. Um, BitTorrent, I guess, purchased it back in the day. Uh, it is uh, based on blockchain technology. Mm. Um, it used to be steam it, but now I think it's Tron. So, you know, no, no investment advice here. You might want to invest in Tron, but, um, apparently it was this refuge for the, uh, the reprobates that were kicked off of the beautiful and, um, uh, open and inclusive platforms of Twitter, be it Periscope, um, Facebook live, uh, YouTube and whatnot. Um, if you read, according to Wikipedia, the description of the company, due to the site's enforcement, uh, lax enforcement of prohibited content and guidelines, DLive beca- became a popular alternative to YouTube and Twitch among white nationalists, conspiracy theorists, neo-Nazis, and other extremists, end quote, that is coming from so this Wikipedia. seems to, this seems to be kind of the common thread now. It's that they're not going after necessarily the actual content itself. They're going after the policies of the company saying that they will enforce, uh, the removal of such content. Right. Because these particular, um, platforms could potentially, um, I don't know, host extremists, 
content from the basket of deplorable, so to speak, that the current social media, um, I don't know, intelligentsia and or uh, blue checkmark types disapprove of. So why are we bringing this up? Bringing this up because what happened the other day was a congressperson. um, I am not going to get his name right, but I'm going to give it a try because I'm not scared. Representative Raja Krishnamurthy and Jackie Spire. Both um, one um, um, uh, Krishnamurthy is from Illinois and Jackie Spire is from California. They sent a letter that says, uh, here's a pull quote from it that sounds very ominous and almost mafia-like. Our concern that the online platforms such as DLive are being used to promulgate extremist views that incite offline conflict and violence. We have worked with other platforms to perform their governance practices around extremist content, and that work is still ongoing. But it is clear that DLive is well behind its peers in platform governance and needs to take a serious reformative actions. It'll be a damn shame what happens to your platform if you don't adhere to our recommended platform governance. This is in light of the fact, this is, this is in light of the fact, right? Um, or this is similar to the fact that they tried to do this with telegram because people were kind of flocking to telegram post-election as they were getting booted off of these other platforms. They're going to gab, they're going to parlor, which they nuked for morbid and they were going to signal. And then you got the obligatory, campaign of concerned journalists and activist groups who see that people are starting to flock to these platforms to continue to spread disinformation, conspiracy theories, and hate speech that could incite violence. This goes back to what you and I have discussed many, many times. Anytime you have an extremist group of people and you try to suppress them, what do you do? You're backing them into the corner. They're an animal backed into the corner. And what do they do? They fight. So they're, this is natural. And what is the solution? The solution to me is simple. Don't worry about it. It, Let them, let them spout their shit. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, 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 no. Yeah, that dog, Gary, get Get hype, Gary. You get, know, get angry at this, man. This is what because I'm talking about. You, you it's very, let, very silly, isn't it? Because if you don't let people spout their nonsense and get it out in the open and let them be exposed for the nonsense that it is. And, and, and let's be frank, right? A, a lot of this extremist stuff is just that it's, it's crazy. It's nonsense and it's oh, yeah. not helpful. Yeah, the, but, yeah, the, the, the QAnon stuff has always been oh, baffling to me, but it doesn't. But it doesn't really matter if it's baffling to me, right? Um, I don't have to. I don't have to um, participate in the mass delusion or the discussion, right? And, and um, suppressing it is just going to strengthen it. I think you literally embolden them, right? Yep. So here's the deal. So um, they're trying to. There's so one of the reasons why I guess D Live kind of raised to the forefront as well as other platforms that have since been nuked from orbit is the fact that like 
there is the potential that these platforms were used to coordinate actions. I know DLive in particular, you could it's a live streaming platform. So that a lot of people actually live stream um, from the Capitol who had gotten in, mostly not the rioters, mostly the people who just kind of walked in because everybody else was walking in. And, you know, we're, we're already turning this, you know, Capitol Hill incident on the 6th into the Rostock fire uh, <laughs> yeah. of free Nazi Germany. And so we're using this as this kind of um, Trojan horse to do these things, right? Like, you know, they're, they're relying on such beauties as, you know, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which has proven to be the worst entity on the planet when it comes to identifying whatever they want to call it, hate speech or hate groups and stuff like that. They've already had to apologize in the past because sometimes they've labeled too, with too much of a broad brush. It's the information that fuels these, I guess, insinuations and attacks on these platforms that people are wanting to go to to vent. And you're trying to turn off all avenues of people going to alternative platforms in a nation, in a culture up until recently that has encouraged free speech. And you're just cutting this off. At yep. the knees because some people might say some terrible things on these platforms. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I guarantee. I mean, it, human nature is just that, right? If you suppress someone long enough, they're going to find an avenue to vent that frustration, and it's going to be much more powerful and much more. Uh, it's going to be much louder than what you ever anticipated or would it you ever would have had, had you allowed them to just vent that via a conventional means, blow it off and call it done. Yeah. I don't think they know the, the, the world they're creating. And I think this contemporary view of what constitutes misinformation, hate speech and whatnot um, is, is a kind of a dangerous precedent. And the reason I find it to be a dangerous precedent is because we are increasingly turning over moderation um, of content and labeling of content to machine learning algorithms and models uh, yep. that are trained on the corpus of data, which brings us to this next story that I we found slightly disturbing when it first kind of it first kind of like propagated up to the top. And that is basically AI uh, scientists this is invented an AI to detect racist people. This is a nightmare. This is this is this nothing is, this but is bad thing, news. <laughs> this is technological terror. If you how to detect racist people? It is, <laughs> so I've said this. Um, okay, they, so I've said this forever. Every single person on the face of the earth is racist. I don't care who you are. I don't care how woke you think you are. You're racist. Now, whether you act on it and actively try to bring people down or you acknowledge it and say, okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm a piece of sh piece of crap. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting me going this time, man. But um, mm -hmm. every person on the face of the earth let's not call it racist. Every person on the face of the earth has biases, right? And if you deny Absolutely. that you're denying humanity, that's the bottom line. So to sit here and say, okay, yeah, we're going to create an AI that is going to point out people who are racist. 
mm-hmm. is is ludicrous to me. So this team of researchers at the University of Virginia have claims that they had developed an AI system that attempts to detect and quantify the physiological signs associated with racial bias. In other words, they're building a wearable device that tries to identify when you're having racist thoughts. Big up to the big up to the uh, to the author of the story, uh, Tristan Green, who basically said up front, like, nope, (laughs) machines can't tell if a person is racist. (laughs) Well, duh. Right. Right? Uh, And so he basically and the reason why is they're using as as part of this um, this mechanism for training, because you're obviously training a model on data. Yep. To and, and with a methodology right. to see if you can detect it because it's using this implicit association test, this, this implicit bias test, which is that, yeah. that has basically been proven to be BS um, and dangerous. And the fact that corporate America had adopted the tenets that came out of the study that used this is, all, is also problematic. Didn't now, the problem didn't is not. It- Back in the day, I want to say there was, wasn't there, there were studies like shown like, uh, where people, they studied people's facial features and said, you know, if their eyes are this close together, they're likely to be a psychopath or this kind of screams that same vibe. This dangerously, this dangerously steers into the phrenology of the, of not only early eugenicists, but of Nazis. <laughs> so you're looking careful, at these, careful. No, great, you're, you're, you'll get fired from Star Star Wars. You keep that up, you, or, or 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 anything else, right? Like it, <laughs> the, 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 like, yeah, that, how dare I have any uh, comparison, uh, make any comparisons to that, mm-hmm. even though it is sh- really analogous to it. But you know, it's it's this hubris in believing. That, um, well, if we just, it's like this, we need to find or at least build algorithms that can detect via physiological traits, this bias as opposed to, you know, as opposed to not understanding that it isn't the data that's biased. It is the methodology for which the data was collected that becomes biased. Mm -hmm. That, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and, and another thing, right, researchers want to eliminate um, you know, they want to debias uh, algorithms, and they're finding that this doesn't eliminate racism from hate speech detection models. So they have employed these models. So you remember the models that were racist back in the day that they had deployed, and they were on. Um, I think, I guess, across a corpus of Twitter data, and it and it disproportionately affected um, African American users because yep. of you know the way we talk. So toxicity detection systems are employed by a range of online platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and various publications. While one of the premier providers of these systems, Alphabet-owned Jigsaw, claims it has taken pains to remove bias from its models, following a study showing it, you know, fared poorly on Black-authored speech, it's unclear the extent to which this might be true of other AI-powered solutions. So in trying to find hate speech, what they found via the, uh, what is it? The uh, uh, lexical and dialectic languages in talk between 
people of different races and cultures is it has a tendency to disproportionately affect certain cultures that are, dare we say, speak harshly of each other, right? Yeah. Um, remember when we said, I remember when I said, like, if you were to sit in on a conversation between me and my boys, I mean, but there'd be some, there's some N-words, there's some, there's some, there's some, there's some stuff that would get me fired. I think, you know, listen to those conversations. You, you told me some stuff back then. And I think for me, I think I would laugh. I think I would enjoy it. I think it would be fun for me, but I can see how, you know, a lot of my friends or a lot of people I know would look at that and see it. I, I don't know. I, 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 to make them uncomfortable would be an understatement, I think. Right. But I think a lot of them would take that to the, to the next level and say, oh my God, that's racist or that's discriminatory. Oh, that very, that very, that very assumption, that very assumption is racist and stereotypical. Right. Yes. Because you're equating. And so wouldn't this be stereotypical? Wouldn't this just be like, oh, well, black people are very brash and loud and, you know, have a tendency to be very nasty to each other on Twitter. Yep. Right. Wouldn't, you know, not really, but then would it? So this is the problem. This is, it's not that the models are being mistrained. The models are abstractions. They are going to take what you give them and uh, utilizing the various uh, trigonometric, trigonometric, and you know calculus and 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 what is it uh, nonlinear equations that you know constitute the activation functions of neurons blah 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 they're going to do what they are mathematically supposed to do the question yep. isn't the the question is really it isn't trying to debias the data set after it has biasly been collected right and it's right. the fact that the matter is that you're then it's it's very it's kind of like this. What is hate speech today? From a contemporary standpoint, it is very nebulous at best. How are you going to identify that? It's why you still have human moderators that are basically, you know, triggering a lot of these deplatformings. That's really how it works. Right. And um, someone snitches. It runs. It, it gets feed to the algorithm. The algorithm pushes it to a person. The person makes the decision ultimately. And that person has a bias. They don't, they don't, they fail to realize that maybe, just maybe, they are training their own biases into data that they think is biased by trying to debias it, if, if that circular logic makes any sense. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, confirmation bias in that, right? Where mm -hmm. the, the assumption going into it is that this is hate speech. Yeah, always. And so, that goes into the fact that, look, even though there's in the re in, out there, there's research out there, there's skepticism of these debiasing models or, or these de debiasing data sets to train models or that we're trying to remove this or that we're trying to detect this type of hate speech and this and that. You got grifter companies that exist that are implementing this crap, not to mention the fact that they're already being implemented it, it, with what I would find disastrous results. So. Going forward here, they're trying to, you know, find machine learning systems, you know, systems that help flag threatening, hateful or offensive speech. Hateful is relative. Offensive is relative. Threatening may not be. Yeah. But they're building these, these, these technological systems to do it. And then all you have to do is read the first paragraph here. 
and it's all it's this is the opinion piece, which I don't know why opinion pieces started sneaking into Scientific American. But social platforms, large and small, are struggling to keep their communities safe from hate speech, extremist content, harassment, and misinformation. Three of the four of those are subjective. Mm-hmm. And look how they look how they formulate it. Most recently, far-right agitators posted openly about plans to storm the U.S. Capitol before doing just that on January 6th. Here's what gets left out of that, too, just to kind of go back to what happened to poor Parler. Most of that planning was done on the big two, three networks. Most of that planning was done on Twitter. Most of that planning was done on Facebook and Facebook messages or Instagram. Most of that planning was done on Signal and Telegram. Very little of it was done on Parler, but yet Parler got nuked from orbit. I don't think Parler could have facilitated the January 6th thing at all because parlor from a technical per, yeah from from a technical perspective <laughs> can't scale they were it just it, couldn't it, it have sucked done it. at that no it, you, no they can't scale same thing with gab to a certain extent gab can't scale i mean maybe in you know another couple of years and another 70 you know million square feet of data center they might be able to scale to be somewhat of a threat to the other systems but at the end of the yeah. day the, yeah, the, yeah. You, the, the, the very didn't, infrastructure wouldn't have even January been able. <laughs> no, no. I think, but here's the deal: that die is already cast, um, yeah. and that that lie has that myth and that lie has circled the globe twenty, thirty thousand mm-hmm. times. So yeah. that's what it is, and it no longer has the ability to host its stuff domestically now. That's just the way it works. So all you have to do is just read, just read this article, and you're just like you, you see. The bias in the fact that they're trying to build systems that are biased to find these very subjective things is like hateful or offensive content. It's kind of like porn, right? I know it when I'll see it, right? Um, and But that's all subjective to who's looking at the offending content. And the people who are training these models have a propensity to see offense in hateful language in almost anything these days. Well, there, I'm sure that that's a top-down directive where, I mean, they're hired by a company. The company has told them, this is what you are to look out for. And they are conditioned to assume the affirmative over the uh, factual or the objective. Yeah. And... And here's the deal, even though we all know that there is still a substantial portion of content moderation that happens by human beings, these human beings are basically supervising the learning of algorithms and models that will ultimately replace those jobs. Because there is, what doesn't scale definitely is having content moderators human content moderators everywhere. And also there's, I mean, there's something to be said about the type of trauma that actually some of these content moderators even experience because of the, we're, you know, we don't get to see a lot of the crap. Like we're still complaining that they're pulling off, you know, slightly offensive, you know, maybe tasteful nudity from Facebook, but like people are seeing some really terrible things. And the, I get I get the, that the, um, what is it? I get the, um, 
I know that you want to protect people who are looking at this type of content from ever having to look at the content by having a machine look at the content as opposed to them. But in that process of training these models to identify that type of content, you then sneak in the human bias of other types of very subjective, hateful and offensive content. So you are basically biasing your data set. And then you have people trying to go in to debias the data set, but they're debiasing the data set in a particular direction. Well, um, and they're, that, and they're, that supplements and, their contemporary view of offensive. And they're human beings. So the minute, I, I mean, honestly, if you're bombarded as a human being, if you are bombarded with content that is clearly bad, right? Child pornography, death scenes, whatever, right? If you're being bombarded with that stuff legitimately, where is your brain going to go? Your brain is going to align itself with a clear bias towards thinking that most content is this way, because how could it not be this way if this is all I'm seeing? Yeah, no, there's, there's no way is, is wonderful and marvelous as the past 10 years has been when it comes to statistical models, AI, machine learning models, uh, neural networks, deep neural networks, all this stuff. It's, it's been great. It's been, it's been more progress than we could have possibly imagined. But to think that we're going to truly be able in these social networks, in this social con context, uh, all these interactions between human beings, design machine learning models to take the human out of the equation and to somehow totally eliminate the human bias from the equation, I think is hubris. I, I think, think you just, happen. you just hit the nail on the head because it, it, it's the idea that we can have a hundred percent sterility and protection from any of this type of stuff. Right. So, you know, I maintain this all the time in just the real world stuff that I do. You can't get to a hundred percent perfection. You never will. You never, it doesn't matter what you do, you know, whether you're in carpentry, software development, plumbing, it doesn't matter. You're never ever going to hit a hundred percent perfection in what you do. And this assumption that we can automate it to the point where we're protecting people a hundred percent is false. It is, it is bad. It is dangerous. It is wasteful. And it is absolutely preposterous to think that we can get to a point where we can automate this. You can't. Well, that doesn't mean that the grifters haven't showed up. <laughs> so Unitary uh, is a software company, maybe? I don't know. So basically, they want to be able to flag harmful content and keep everyone safe online. It is that type of tagline that sends chills up and down my spine. Yeah, I hate this. And when you and, and when you and when you look at what this what the company is about. Um, it's all about creating, you know, moderation tools, detecting keywords, um, oh, keywords. and then trying to extrapolate contextual understanding, Bullshit. which in and of itself is very, <laughs> can be very, very subjective. Define, define context though. I mean, you and I have talked about this because context 
in the in the sense of intellect is one thing, but in the sense of culture is completely different. Right. I mean, when you when you live in a world where the in certain languages, Mandarin in particular, what what syllable you accentuate drastically changes the meaning in the context yeah. of the same symbol. Yeah. What the hell do you think you're going to do when you're seeing people interact online or share memes online? Right. And someone misspells something and, and or, yes. or forgets to put an accent mark over something in Spanish. Yeah. These these people are pretty craven. And, and it's funny because in the Scientific American article, if I can bring that up, they point to the GitHub repository of code. And when you look down the code, the code describes that it's basically, you know, train models and code to predict toxic comments on three jigsaw challenges. And those are basically just kind of um, tests, um, you know, toxic comment classification, unintended bias and toxic comments, multilingual toxic uh, comment, uh, comment classification. Unintended. Um, oh, wait, hold on. I have to pause at the. <laughs> Is, 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 that, is, that, is that what you're worried about? Is that what you're worried Hold about on. there, Gary? No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Unintended bias. That that phrase itself is, is it bias if it's unintended? I don't know. Uh, I, I just, this, I, I think, that, I think bias a, is, bias is, it. it's innate. It's, it's unknown. It's, it's not something you try to do you know there's no such thing as intended bias right and so it's funny they used this code um for detecting all this toxicity but in the actual github code at the bottom it's just like look there's limitations and ethical ethical considerations when you're using this so they acknowledge words that yes if words are associated with swearing insults or profanity are pres- present in the comments it is likely that they will be Classified as toxic. Of course they will. Regardless of, I mean, so, so wait a minute. So it's almost like we're, we're training machine learning models in puritanical language policing. <laughs> like, like, what are we, what are they, Baptists? I mean, you know, <laughs> so from a, from a, so, from a, from a free market standpoint, I, I'm like, okay, you know what? Go for it. If you think mm-hmm, you can make a right. buck off of policing the internet, go for it, whatever. But, but know fun, that you're but... building a technological terror that will one day be turned on you. Yeah. Because you won't always be the good ones who can, uh, uh, who can identify unintended toxic bias, unintended bias, unintended toxic bias, uh, uh, racially bias, lexi- lexical bias, bias and under, uh, <laughs> the, the whole thing. It is freaky because that is everything they see about the world. If I have an adage when I read Detect Press, which I try to read less and less of, I try to go straight to the source, like papers and stuff like that. But anytime I see someone on Twitter or in their LinkedIn bio or in or writing in any any publication that isn't like crap or trash um, about equity in equality, I don't trust those people. So I, I actually commented on a friend's post. Uh, they, they made a comment the other day and it was something, I, I forget what the total context was, but 
they they were frustrated because of this whole concept of uh equality and whatnot. And I made the comment. I basically said, look, uh oh God, what was it? Total equality and total equality is basically a myth for the weak and the immature because there is no such thing as total equality. There never will be a such thing as total equality. Right. But what Men, about equity? You see that, you see that term of phrase equity oh, is see, slightly, now it's a yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. different, but, right? the, but, but and that and, and more nebulous. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But they, but they equate the both. I mean, for, they, for obvious yeah, reasons. Well, well, people equate the both. I think the people using that language know that there's a difference. Um, and, and to me, yeah. it, it trying to build our contemporary lexicon, um, our, our, our cultural, uh, trying to build into these models this kind of puritanical look at our cultural context, mm. I think is dangerous. Well, because obviously that changes over time. It may, it, yeah. You're ignoring the evolution of culture. You're ignoring what words, the etymology of words, it, all that stuff. Exactly. Things evolve, right? You can't, you can't come up, especially today. I mean, what's it, what's going to happen in 10 years with this model, right? How relevant mm -hmm. is it going to be? Not, it won't be. It won't be. Um, and it doesn't matter how you train it and tweak it because these things get tweaked and trained every, that's the thing. Like, you know, everyone thinks that you just, just build this, you know, brainiac machine and it just kind of does its thing, but you do, but that like, you know, if you really read these papers and like, look at, you know, look at how they implement these things and really dig deep into it and talk to and listen to practitioners in this space, it's kind of like a constant maintenance. It's kind of like doing like audit logs or, yeah. or updating your, to, to so my age, updating your access control lists, um, um, you know, uh, updating firewall rules and stuff like that. Like this, this is yeah. a constant thing. Entitlement reviews, um, policy procedure updates. Yeah, it's all Yeah, particularly policies, right? Because policies change as algorithms change as the context of what the model needs to look for changes. Yep. And so, you know, I think this is a lot more, it's good that people were thinking about this, but I think they're thinking about this in the context of their worldview and their worldview is that people who think like you and me and people who may think even more reprehensible things like you and me must be hunted down to the ends of the internet and they must be moderated away and we must make this internet safe and clean from hate speech and blah, 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 blah. It's very right. school marmish. It's very, well, um, it's a, it's a world, it's a worldview that, em, that embraces, like I said, the hundred percent, we can achieve a hundred percent safety. We can achieve a hundred percent sterility. We can achieve a hundred percent. Yeah. The bubble wrap society. Yeah. Bubble right. wrap society. We, we can achieve this. No, you can't achieve this. You never will. And to think that you can, you know, push your way towards, I, and, and don't get me wrong. I understand the concept of idealism, right? Mm -hmm. I embrace libertarianism as an ideal, but I also temper that with practicality. And th this is going to get me in yeah. trouble with maybe some of our listeners Pragmatist. and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. You can't We've have a 100% idealist society. And I don't care what the ideal is. 
right? It doesn't work because we're human beings and we're filthy and we're disgusting and we're, and we're untrustworthy, you know? Yeah. No, it's, I mean, you know, not to depress the audience or anyone here, but it's, it's just, we need to be careful of the things we are building. Um, we just have to be, and we have to understand that we might cause more harm by trying to bubble wrap the world. And I'm just kind of, I'm kind of concerned. That's all because I see these, this, this technology is, is, is pushing full steam ahead and it's going to push full steam ahead and it should, um, I am I am one who has said from the beginning of this program that humans suck, and the less you have humans doing, the better. It also frees them to do these have these intellectual exercises, but I fear it frees them to have these intellectual exercises about looking for unintended toxic bias. And but I think, in, it, uh, and I think, but here's the thing: I mean, should okay, yeah. So humans suck, and the less that humans do, the better. But let's let's not let's leave humans versus automation out of the mix entirely. Should yeah. I think, autom- I think automation, I think automation is a completely separate topic. Yeah. Than so, AI. so should, whether it's AI or humans or whatever, should there be an effort to eliminate, uh, hate speech or, or to eliminate this bias or extremist talk or whatever you want to call it? Should there be an effort to do that? Whether it's automated I, or not. I, I, I take an absolutist perspective. No, because ultimately I agree. what happens, what's happened, the Overton window for what is considered hate speech has shifted way beyond where it was maybe 15 years ago. I agree. Right. I, I, you know, the whole thing of, you know, bake the cake. Eh, if they don't want to bake the cake, so what? They don't bake the cake. Yeah. Big, big screw you, bigot. I won't, I won't eat your cake. They're the bigot. Yeah. <laughs> Who your cares? Cake is, I mean, your, your cake was gross anyway, you know, and then you walk away, right? And, yeah, and you go find to, the baker up the street with the rainbow flag out front and whatever, and you bake the cake there. Who cares, right? <laughs> no Someone's going to bake the cake. <laughs> someone's got to bake the cake, you know, and ultimately, and someone's got to train in the machine to bake the cake. And honestly, I think, I mean, this is, this is these are all, just, just, these are deep philosophical discussions that are reflections of the kind of the culture that we're in today, which is toxic for other reasons other than the fact that like, I might, you know, I might accidentally yell the N word or post a meme that equates, you know, not being able to really kind of say what you want to like Nazi Germany. But I, I'm not, you know, I, but the future is still bright. It's just, I always said, and I've said this from the beginning, Gary, this would be, there's some darkness going to happen. Yeah. And then when it's you're, you're when right. this is all done, on the other side of this, on the other side of the dim age, we're gonna be on some Star Trek, you know, shit. I hope basically. so. I re- I really hope so. Actually once we can get past this whole moral argument or, or you know, whatever whatever weird thing this is where, you know, mm-hmm. w- you know, thought police or whatever you want to call it. I, I think you're right. I, and I, and I'm looking forward to it, but in the meantime, this sucks. 
hard. <laughs> that's a good way. To, that's a good way to end that topic. <laughs> it's like, right? Yeah, no, nah, this is terrible. And right now, this is this is simply sucks. But <laughs> in other news, SpaceX, baby. Oh, I our love SpaceX. Futuristic company in the Starlink constellation. So they're gearing up to do two more missions. They have a lot of satellites in orbit. And SpaceX, uh, or Starlink in particular, um, you know, or, or I guess they're going to launch two missions here in the next two or three days um, to get about 120 plus allies back in orbit. You tailor that with the fact that they're getting ready to, uh, they've opened up for pre orders. So, you know, if you want to get in on Starlink, um, you go to the pre- you go over to the uh, launch site for the pre-order. And once it figures out where you are, um, it'll let you know if you're eligible and it puts you on the list to get, you know, the next generation and internets there. Yep. Um, I'm I'm excited for this for a whole, a whole host of other reasons other than the, I don't need it. But in the future, I can see myself needing it if I were to try to take my bullets bullion and, and and guns and run up to the mountains I, I at least want to still be able to communicate with the rest of the world at at least you know 25 to 50 megabits a second um you know so they're open for pre-orders there's rumors that they might even go public i personally don't think they should i think they should stay out of this spac madness that's going on on wall street right now even though it's a lot of free money um their beta test is going to open up to ten thousand users and also, they got some of that FCC broadband money, you know, because mm-hmm. they said that they could offer rural broadband. And so the FCC said, OK, well, your plan seems to be working and you seem to have a good plan going forward. So here's eight hundred and fifty six million dollars. Well, they've already that made a lot of people upset. Yeah, they've already proven the concept out there in the middle of nowhere. Right. Indian tribes. Right. Being able no. to get medical help and whatnot. This so it seems great. to be working. Now, people were mad that they still got money because they really don't need the money. Um, but, you know, if the money's available, come on, man, if we're all going to get on the Where else chain, is it going to go? I mean, who else is providing the internet? Well, there, there's these other rural, uh, rural broadband companies and concerns and utilities that think that, well, we have better alternatives to like lane fiber and lane cable and stuff like that. And this is, okay, well, know, this is satellite. And yeah, this well, and that. And but, like, look, but this stuff is here and it's working. Right, right now, now there, though there, there are some people who think that it, it it might not work as well once it starts getting saturated, right? Okay, um, fair. And, and 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 there's a couple and, and there's a couple of reasons why um, as space as Starlink pluses up and 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 uh, terminals and users that those these amazing speeds that you're seeing may drop. That's that's a couple of reasons. One. Um, not enough ground stations to this generation of, of uh, Starlink satellites don't cross communicate, don't use their don't use their la- uh, lasers, um, uh, line of sight lasers to cross communicate between satellites in orbit. OK, um, the next generation of satellites over the next two years will. So because apparently, you know, how many like of the constellation that they've had to deorbit like 100. Have they really that many? Oh, yeah. Dude, um, yeah, because, you know, those things are not designed to be up there for terrible periods of time. Well, you know what? One of the things um, that really impressed me early on in reading about this was 
that that was part of the plan was the deorbiting and the and the decommissioning of defunct satellites. Of defunct satellites and bringing them down, and, you know, burning them up and then sending up a batch of 60 more. Right. And and if they ever get the Starship, if the Starship can stop belly flopping and exploding when it lands on the I ground. love, uh, by the way, I'm telling you, every time that comes on live, like they're, they're going to do a test launch, I am glued to that like you would not those believe. Are, those are amazing launches because you... Because at, 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 at a certain point, it's kind of like watching a NASCAR race where it's just like, yeah, come on, you crash. don't want anyone to wreck, <laughs> no, you but do. you know someone's going to. <laughs> you don't want it, but you do want it. Come on. Yeah. But no, like, so, I mean, they got one more that they could test out and then they got to, and then we're going to probably have to wait six months until they no, build no, another they set have of starships. Two. They have two. They've got There's one. There's two more? Okay. So, see, got so nine went the, up in flames. Nine went ten. up. Ten is on the pad. Eleven is the last one. In, and it's oh, in so they, okay, so, okay, yeah. So no, so okay, so yeah, they, yeah, they're just rolling things out like Volkswagens and just crashing them until they get. Well, it right. and that's their but that's they, their plan. I mean, I that's what I love about them is they move so fast, and they they're not afraid to just destroy stuff, you know. Yeah, they make them look bad, and people are going to talk, talk. No, talk it doesn't trash. make them. Yeah, but it, okay, but, but it, it can. It, 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 but I don't. Think I mean, to the na- to to the naysayers, right? But, oh, you know, yeah, to yeah. the people who who who's, who work for you know United Launch Alliance or the SLS, oh, there you know, you go. program, yeah, yeah, those, guys. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, they're probably all like, oh, yeah, see, you see what oh, happens because they were here. Yeah, yeah. It's a failure. It's like, yeah, well, I I tend to think that their heavy their heavy booster, well, actually, their heavy booster has gone to orbit a couple of times, um, and and this Starship is just something a prototype. Starship can hold a lot more payload, and so could you imagine them sending up two to th- 300 satellites in a given given orbit and, to and you, replace defunct will. satellites they will and and like this is not to be a love fest for elon musk but the simple fact of the matter is his companies are doing great things i don't like the fact that they take a lot of subsidies but then in the space side of things i can understand it um but look these people who are complaining that like, well, this, you know, well, this is going to help the digital divide. No, everything's going to help the digital divide, guys. 5G, 4G um, ground terminals are going to help this. SpaceX satellites are going to do, uh, uh, SpaceX Starlink satellites are going to help. HughesNet are going to help. The If the Kepler constellation ever gets up from um, Amazon gets up, that's going to help. Um, OneWeb will get up there and it will help. We're going to solve this problem. This is the digital divide as 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 a as this as this thing that we need to somehow solve. It's solved. We we have solutions that are going to be implemented over the next five years. Yeah, that and we I think utter and complete ubiquity and connectivity around the globe. I think this is something that people don't realize. Is you know when when you look back a hundred years ago, what did it take to get people connected? We you know we had to we had to run you know, phone lines, we had to run telegraph wires, whatever. We can do the same things that we've done in a hundred years in five years. We have the ability, right. we've proven the ability. It, you know, we, we, we do things faster. We do things more efficiently because we've learned. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's like going it's, to happen. And as we've, as we're seeing here, I mean, 
the constellation and projected constellation is going it's going to map a lot of places. Yep. And this is one of many companies that are going to be doing this. There are already companies sending microsatellites in orbit to do things like look at ground, look at crop yields, look at, you know, monitor climate, you know, CO2 levels for climate oh, they're change. Sending, weather they're satellites, they're sending them up on SpaceX rockets. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I There's a, a logistics company that has about 50 of these little microsatellites that are the size of like a small laptop right. that are literally just beaming down information for logistics companies, for shipping companies, for all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they launched they launched on the piggyback launch on one of the one of the you know, Falcon 9s. Yep. So well, Antarctica's you know, kind of sucking. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> That's going to suck, you know, and then, yeah, Antarctica, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that, that, <laughs> a little gap in coverage down there. I don't know if you want to go down there anytime soon. It's, the, it's uh, a pretty cool coverage pass. map. Yeah. yeah, no, I think I think I'm cool. So, I mean, so that's that's us ending on a positive note, guys, because that's. Because, again, we're tech guys, man, we, we, we see the future. We just see, you know, maybe going forward, there might be some nefarious uses for this technology. Oh, there always will. There always will be. And we just need to make you aware of that. I mean, yeah, I know. I I know. Yeah. As long as we're aware of that, I think. And as long as we, you know, raise this, raise the stink, like just like these guys in ethical AI are raising the, you know, that, you know, that might be biased in the data sets and stuff, which is fine. And that we might. Because of the bias in the data sets and the over-reliance on these models, that it might disenfranchise certain groups or certain types of people. Good, raise that alarm. But we're also raising the alarm, though, that we can go extremely bad the other way. But, yep. in, the, but in the meanwhile, though, when it comes to ubiquity of connectivity, the future is pretty limitless. And uh, we're going we're gonna to be all right, guys. But there's just a lot of darkness. And as Gary said, for the time being, things are going to suck. And with that, you got anything else? No, just, uh, you know, stay cool people quit idolizing the, you know, the orange man and the, the <laughs> Alzheimer's man or whatever you want to call him. Yeah, we do. We, oh, we call, oh, I, I, uh, um, I like to call him politely brain bleed. Okay. Biden, but, <laughs> brain bleed um, or Biden. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Beijing, <laughs> Beijing Biden. Yeah, baby. Beijing. Hopefully that'll open up some trade routes for us, baby. <laughs> Whew, bring back, bring back uh, cheap Chinese goods. Please <laughs> wish. Please. Wish.com. Yes. <laughs> I want, I want an Alibaba. I want an, a, a small fab in Ali, uh, from Alibaba to construct like, you know, an FPGA chip or, or, or a risk five chip or something like that. I just, I just, I just want these, I want all the, the beef between us. See, see, here's the thing, here's the thing, Thaddeus, you're, you're asking for chips and technology and stuff. And there's people out there who just want like the latest massage device (laughs) from (laughs) wish.com, you know, fix the supply chain. (laughs) Yeah. That's all we, that's all we're asking guys. All right. With that, this has been another great edition. I hope. Well, thank you for your servers. Please tune in next time we decide to do this again. And we'll give you the tech talk from a Liberty perspective. And with that, latest. Bye.